0: The Chris Cast is recorded live in front of no audience. Hello again, everyone. Welcome to the Chris Cast. I'm your host, Chris. Joining me once again by Facebook Messenger is Paul. Say hello, Paul. Hello, Paul. Well, first up, got to start with the comedy this week because it amused me to absolutely no end. This is from the Guardian. Kind of comedy? Arizona Republican quote audit finds even bigger lead for Biden in the 2020 election. Yeah,
1: they found 99 more votes, didn't they? Uh,
0: I didn't, yeah, 99 additional votes for Biden and 261 fewer votes for Trump.
1: That is hilarious. So... Uh, and I was ran by so-called, who was it? The Freedom Seekers or whatever that...
0: Place, place, you know, whatever they are. The Guardian article reads A partisan Republican instigated review of the 2020 election result in Arizona failed to turn up any evidence of widespread fraud, a major blow to Trump and other conspiracy theorists who celebrated the effort. The investigation, which lasted several months, confirmed that Joe Biden didn't beat Trump in Maricopa County, the state's most populous county. Doug Logan, who led the review, told the Arizona Senate on Friday. In fact, a hand recount found 99 additional votes for Biden and 261 fewer votes for Trump. Logan, the CEO of Cyber Ninjas, a Florida-based firm leading the review, said in a presentation Friday afternoon to the Arizona Senate that the discrepancies were, quote, small. So it doesn't really say who they are, but... It does, once again, say that Biden won and Trump lost and the big babies can't get over it. I have never in my life seen such a contested election that was done fairly.
1: It's a year later, and they're still doing this. Over a year.
0: Well, in Texas now trying to ramp up and look for more votes, which I don't understand what would change because... He still won Texas, so you find more votes in Texas, it doesn't give him any more electoral college votes. He still doesn't win. Yeah. So, I, I don't get it, but there you go.
1: Am I allowed to play sound bites of someone like Mitch McConnell?
0: I don't know, because I, I don't know all the ins and outs of it.
1: Well, it's public, but you can pull it up on YouTube. There's no music copyrights to it or anything.
0: Uh, we'll just You can say what he said, but just to be safe. And
1: it's like 2019. 2019, we've got to do what we've got to do to keep this country running. So we're going to you know, make the debt ceiling higher because we can't afford a government shutdown. Fast forward, 2020, 2021. Uh, we are going to fight the Democrats on uh, raising the debt ceiling. Uh, This is ridiculous. Uh, Well, let the
0: government shut down. Blah, 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 blah. blah. I don't get it. Well, if you recall, the end of both of Trump's first two terms in office, the government shut down. The second of which was the longest shutdown in U.S. history. So... Oh, yeah. At least Biden stopped touring and and trying to get other things to work on this to get it done.
1: Yeah, he canceled a trip on Wednesday to go somewhere. I forget where it was at.
0: And, of course, today the announcement came that the agreement was met and the shutdown is prevented until at least the beginning of December.
1: I was going to say, yeah, for now. They passed something for now.
0: So, but, on the other hand, on the sad news end, this is from the Independent on Yahoo News. COVID pandemic has brought biggest cut to global life expectancy since World War II, says study. Really? So, the average lifespan has dropped. It says American men were the worst off with 2.2 years shaved off their life expectancy at birth. Men in Lithuania faced the second-largest impact on their life expectancy with a cut of 1.7 years. Women from 15 countries and men from 10 ended up with a lower life expectancy at birth in 2020 compared to 2015, revealed the study. Talking
1: about COVID, my, um, my Aunt Pat, um, did, I tell you, did I say last week on the show that my cousin... Yes. Is now well she's now on event.
0: Was she vaccinated or she, no?
1: That I don't know, but I do know that she's a huge Trump supporter on Facebook.
0: Well. Then not anything against her, but most likely not vaccinated well, that's, Guys, that's two, what I was thinking. two hints there. She's on event. vent, she's a Trump supporter. So Yeah. I got a kitty visiting me, so I got to put him in my lap for a little bit so he'll leave me alone. Kitty, kitty, kitty. Yeah, he's spoiled rotten little boy. But, moving on, did you see that stupidity is not just a United States trait now? Okay. What is it? This is from the Business Insider on Yahoo. UK gas stations are running dry due to panic buying and a supply chain crisis Boris Johnson may deploy the military to drive extra supplies apparently there is a truck driving shortage It says thousands of UK gas stations ran dry over the weekend amid an acute shortage of truck drivers with Prime Minister Boris Johnson considering sending sending in the military to help deliveries so I don't- Kind of like what we just experienced here, they didn't learn from the idiots here, and they're going out and raiding the gas stations and...
1: Hoarding gas station, hoarding gas, yeah.
0: And you know what this just basically supports? Electric cars.
1: I've been actually looking at, um, have you seen Kia's new electric cars? They're actually calling it the best in the world right now. No, I don't really look at Kia, to be honest. So it's called the EV6. It's available in all-wheel drive or two-wheel drive. And it's, what gets me, it's an EV, but it's a real-wheel drive EV instead of a front-wheel drive EV. But that thing is sweet. It starts out around 29000 and tops out at $45,000. It is beautiful. It's a beautiful car. Yeah,
0: I've, I've not seen anything about it. can't tell you anything about it. I do know that I can tell you from this article that the end is nigh. The end is nigh. What do you mean by that? This is from weather.com. A mega comet, one so big it was previously misidentified as a dwarf planet, is approaching our solar system, headed towards the sun.
1: Really? Really. I'm sending this out to Twitter followers. It's live right now. <laughs> I saw, what was it, like a thousand miles from us or something
0: like that? Uh, I think it'd probably be further than that. I'm not seeing any details, because this. I'm not even seeing it saying it's on a collision course with the sun, but... In the coming decade, this comet will likely put it on quite a display for astronomers. Before it edges closer to Saturn, scientists predict that the comet will develop the classic characteristics of a comet, such as a tail and a coma, as the material on its surface will vaporize due to the sun's heat and radiation.
1: Well see, there was a, we actually had a very big comet that was like 95 miles wide or something like that that came near us this past week and there's only I believe it's either 1700 or 17 it's probably 17,000 miles away from us yeah. I saw that I,
0: I know we've had a few close calls here lately but it's just we're all gonna die from the COVID and the comets <laughs> The COVID, you idiot. The COVID in the comets gonna get us. But speaking of things dying, The Independent released this article. 23 species to be declared extinct in U.S. as conser- conservationists say officials were, quote, too slow to save them. In all, 11 birds, 8 freshwater mussels in the southeast, 2 kinds of fish, a bat from Guam, and a flower from Hawaii will be declared extinct.
1: And let me guess, it's just, um, select extinction, or what's it? I don't know, let's see. Um, I don't know. uh, Let's see, a... global warming, maybe?
0: Well, that, and hunting, and... removal of their habitats, and...
1: Now, didn't they, just a couple weeks ago, Chris, didn't they find, um...
0: Someone was 17 new species of frogs or something like that. Now, I don't know about 17 new,
1: but, but I do remember them finding some new species of frogs, and it wasn't that too long ago.
0: But on the animal topic, did you see the video today or even last night because I saw it last night of the guy who trapped the alligator in the trash can? In
1: a trash can,
0: yep. You need to look it up. It's pretty amazing. He actually Was it on
1: YouTube or is it on TikTok?
0: I saw it on Twitter and I shared it. So it's on my Twitter feed. Yeah, I'm
1: gonna go look at that right but quick. But
0: it's it's pretty amazing. He he slides the the trash can towards the alligator and then not being able to see the alligator because the trash can's laying down on the ground long ways between him and the alligator. Obviously you don't want to get that close to an alligator. And he's pushing the trash can at the alligator, and then he flips the lid up, and it hits the alligator on the head, and the alligator ends up going into the trash can as he's pushing it, and he then lifts up the trash can with the alligator inside.
1: When did you share that?
0: Uh, Last night. Oh,
1: I see now. Here it is.
0: Yeah, and the part that I don't have on my Twitter is afterwards... He released it back into the wild. So... He's backing
1: up. Yeah, I see him backing
0: up. It's, it's yeah. an amazing video. There's no two ways about it.
1: See, it's only 52 seconds on and 27 seconds, so... Okay, he's shoving it onto him. And he keeps backing up. Oh!
0: Yeah. Gosh, he's in there. Yeah. Which one, the guy had to have quite a bit of strength to be able to lift that thing up. But two, yeah, he's a big boy. the fact that he didn't get eaten by the alligator is pretty amazing. Dang! And he released the alligator safely back to where it belongs, so. That's a huge
1: alligator.
0: Yeah, It is. It was a good six feet long, if not longer.
1: I'll say that's a little over six feet, yeah. And he's hissing the whole time. Yep. Shoot. He's got more guts than I've got. I'd be damned if I'd do it. I'd have been like, you know, animal control, you better get your ass
0: out here. I definitely wouldn't have been doing it. Nope. But on the topic of eating, did you see what Buffalo Wild Wings announced?
1: Oh, Lord, what? Oh, hold on. I did. They're meatless wings.
0: No, that's not what I was talking about.
1: Somebody, somebody is offering meatless wings now, meatless option wings. One of them wing places. I,
0: I don't know. I didn't see that one yet. I mean, it's oh. it's been a thing for a while that people have done, but th- what I saw was that they're adding Doritos spicy sweet chili sauce for a limited time. Yuck. I've never tried the spicy sweet chili doritos, so I can't tell you but...
1: I have and I don't like spicy food, and it was beyond it was beyond my range of actually enjoying it was I, I don't get into spicy food. I, I can handle you know I can handle um, buffalo wings just a regular heat, but don't be giving me that tornado spicy heat where it's going to kill small children heat. No, I don't think so. Or it's going to melt my tongue and what's left my
0: This article is from the IB Times. It says, on Wednesday, the Buffalo, Bill, the Buffalo Wild Wings announced the new sauce inspired by the popular potato chips. It will be available for customers to order with chicken wings for a limited time. The Doritos Spicy Sweet Chili Sauce will feature a variety of flavors, including onion, garlic, brown sugar, soy sauce, and paprika. The wings will be coated with Doritos Spicy Sweet Chili Chip Crumbles. Every order you know, will also come with a the, small sample bag of Doritos Spicy Sweet Chili Chips.
1: You ever had a bag of the... um have you ever had any of the Doritos tacos from Taco Bell?
0: Yes, and I wasn't overly thrilled with them. I
1: like them. I like them.
0: I, I Especially do like, with ranch dressing on them. I do like the taco-flavored Doritos that they... Did away with again and again and again. I
1: don't know if I remember that. That's was it the, the taco original flavor Doritos.
0: Taco flavor was they the ta- original. Did it not have Taco Bell on there? No, they were the original flavor. When they did the retro uh, bags, they did the re- the original a, Taco flavor. Let me look that up. I could
1: have swear they had a Taco Bell flavor.
0: They might, but the Taco chips that I'm thinking of. We're just taco flavored Doritos. Yeah, Taco Taco Bell flavored Doritos. Oh no, it just
1: says taco flavored Doritos
0: yeah. right there. Yeah, See the the retro bag.
1: You can still buy them. They're available.
0: I never see them anywhere.
1: Here they are on Amazon for six twenty-five a bag.
0: Yeah, that's at least twice of what they're worth.
1: Well, you can also buy them, uh, where was Amazon? Oh, you can get them at walmart.com. But Bet you gotta buy them by the case, $49 for a case. Though. <laughs> yeah,
0: let me get right on that. But, uh, I also missed the Wild and Mild Fritos Ranch flavor. Because they came back out with Fritos Ranch a few years ago, and it wasn't the same as the Wild and Mild Fritos Ranch from way back in the day. But on the subject of crazy things from restaurants, did you see what Wendy's is doing? Meatless burgers? No. This is crazy talk. What? This is from MSN.com. The Wendy's phone is a thing that exists for some reason. Phone? Phone. Like a telephone? Like a cell phone. Smartphone from who? Wendy's. The company Not has so. It, so provider? The company has so far been light on details about the handset, saying that it has a 6.4 inch HD Plus screen, a fingerprint scanner on the back, and a triple lens rear camera with more megapixels than the Baconator has than the Baconator has bacon. It mostly looks like a fairly conventional cheap phone. Then except with a bright red finish and Wendy's branding on the back. But there are two interesting aspects beyond the simple fact that it exists. The Xiaomi Poco X3 NFC is a great cheap phone. Read our full Moto G9 Power review. Grab some of the best Android apps. But the Wendy's they tweeted out, For the chance to get yours, download the Wendy's app and screenshot your favorite Wendy's order then tweet it out with Wendy's phone and contest. You can try again every day. Learn more about the phone here. HeyWendy.ca I gotta see
1: what this thing looks like. So. Wendy's phone.
0: Oh, here's the things where I said there were two things to keep in mind or the, it was talking about. Two interesting aspects. It decided to go down and then finish the article. It says the first is that Wendy's phone apparently has a bespoke voice assistant which responds to the wake-up phrase, Hey, Wendy, and will carry out typical voice assistant tasks like setting alarms and telling jokes, albeit with a Wendy spin. The second is that from the images shared so far, there's no visible camera on the front, though Wendy's mentions a front-facing camera, so whether this is a pop-up one, an in an in-screen one unlikely or simply a case of the image being inaccurate we're not sure. You won't actually be able to buy the Wendy's phone but if you live in Canada you can try and win one by favoriting your Wendy's order of choice. There are 20 handsets up for grabs and you can try again every day between September 28th and October 17th. This is crazy. So. I don't know if Americans are able to participate, but it is definitely an odd thing from a food service industry.
1: That's crazy, and it's an Android. It looks like an iPhone 10, but it don't have the port facing camera. That's what's weird about it. Well, that's what the article says. On the back, it looks it looks like it's the iPhone 10 because that's exactly how the cameras are lined up on the iPhone 10. Oh no, there is a port facing camera. It's right there. Right there's the dot for it. Well,
0: is that the front or the back? That looks like that's the back. That's
1: the front. This is the back right here. See the back cameras.
0: Okay, because I just saw the red, the windies, right and it there. looked like it was the front. Or the now
1: this is the this is the front. That's the home screen, and right there's the port facing camera on the corner.
0: So maybe just their article when they got it didn't have that little camera on it.
1: Yeah, maybe they yeah. But but
0: yeah, that's it. But another marketing ploy is from Vans. Did you see what they're doing? No. Horror movie line shoes. I'm
1: gonna look that up too.
0: This is from yahoo.com. With Halloween just around the corner, Vans is celebrating the spooky holiday with a new footwear and apparel collection to pair with your costume. The Cali-based skatewear brand announced yesterday that it has teamed up with Warner Brothers this fall to reimagine classic Vans sneakers with terrifying graphics and designs inspired by several cult classic horror films. The footwear offerings oh feature here's, two skate-high collarways, including one inspired by Freddy Krueger's iconic sweater as well as a yellow base pair that's decorated with details from Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. Additional sneakers in the group include a set of slip-ons featuring the Shining Twins, as well as a Friday the 13th-inspired style, with a graphic of Jason Voorhees' mask on the upper. The the collection continues with a checkerboard-covered Vans era inspired by Pennywise, and a bloody pair of slide-on slippers. Wow,
1: that is way too cool. I wonder how much they're going to be.
0: I don't know, the Freddy Krueger ones look pretty awesome.
1: They do, and it looks like it comes with a bag. See the bag over the Yeah, I saw that. that. It's, like a, it's a fanny pack, it looks like.
0: The Friday the cool. 13th ones I'm not impressed with, to be honest. The shiny ones one. are good if you like yellow.
1: Where do you see the rest of them? On Yahoo's website? Do you got to click on something? I've...
0: They're in the article down at the bottom.
1: Hard hard collection. Here it is. Oh, and it just like blanked out on me. Okay.
0: The bottom of the article. The Pennywise ones are all right. I don't care for the Shining Slip-On twins. The Freddy Krueger, or the Jason ones, one says Friday the 13th, and the other one has the hockey mask on it. And there's all kinds of splatter, like white and red... So, I don't really understand the white and red. I would understand the red, but not the white and red. But the Shining ones are um, yellow and black, high tops, and it looks like the soles say red rum all around them.
1: Well, for some reason I can't see them. I guess because I'm on a mobile version you're on a laptop.
0: Yeah. So. But. Of them all, I'd say the Freddy Krueger ones win, with the Shining ones being in second place, both of which are high tops. But they're the best-looking shoes in the group. And since we're on horror movie subject, let's keep it going. Did you see what they're doing with the original Scream House? The original scream house. Now, which one? You are talking about the one out in California, out in the desert, where they filmed? I believe it's uh, in California.
1: It's the last. Um, now, that's a real house. Yeah, it looks like it's
0: Sydney's at. house from the first film.
1: Yeah, that's a real house. I found a video. There's a video on YouTube, and it's called "Behind the Scenes on Movies" or something like that.
0: Yeah.
1: And there's a there's people that goes around and films where in these Northern locations California. are at. What?
0: Northern California.
1: Yeah, it's in Northern California and it's like it shows them like going out through the hills and then it starts with driving through these trees to get to it and then they come up to Sydney's house. Yeah.
0: But I I definitely am looking forward what are
1: they, to What are they doing about it? There's
0: a Scream 5? N- well no, the Scream is gonna they're, basically it's a promotion thing during Halloween. But this is the article from CNN. If you like scary movies so much that you'd want to live inside of one for a night, you're in luck this October. Airbnb is offering Scream Superfans a stay at the home where much of the original film took place and where Ghostface was first defeated. Oh, and if you can manage to snag a reservation, it'll only run you $5. $5. Per Airbnb. Airbnb has renovated the original Scream house in Northern California, you know the location of the party turned murder spree, the same house where Tatum met her grisly demise in her garage, and where the identity of mass killer Ghostface was revealed and heroine Sydney finally won out, and it looks almost exactly like it did in the 1996 film. There is notably now a glass-stained wi- stained glass window with Ghostface's visage to keep things creepy, though Airbnb is mum on whether the killer will make an appearance. Visitors will be greeted virtually by Sheriff Dewey Riley, played by original cast member David Arquette. They can queue up a marathon of all four Scream films on VHS tapes to stay true to the time period, or even oh. call Ghostface to ask any questions to make requests, according to Airbnb. Ghostface does have a tendency to call first, though, so guests can expect him to rain them throughout the night. Horror Movie Hopefuls have three chances to score a stay. The home will host three one-night stays throughout the last week of October, concluding on Halloween night, with room for four guests per stay. But it'll be a feat in itself to even snag a reservation. Booking opens on October 12th at 1 p.m., and just as it was in Woodsboro that fateful fall, it'll be open season on Airbnb. But I think they're also supposed to do, like, a, a Skype or something with... Uh, Kevin Williamson and David Arquette leading up to this. I, I'm trying to see if it's on here. Well, they've got the interior of the house. and But I'm not seeing it. Though The article I pulled up originally was different than this one. And it was talking about David Arquette and Kevin Williamson being in some kind of Q&A. And I think it was online, so you can look that up. But I'm I'm thinking that was what it was, and that leads into this. But it, I mean, I can't get to Northern California, so I'm not even going to try. But how awesome would it be to have a scream stay? And it's only five oh, dollars,
1: five bucks. Now you know they you know they wrapped up the the filming of Scream. The, the well, they're calling it Scream. But, it ain't, but they're calling it, it's technically Screen Five, but they're calling it Screen for some reason.
0: Huh. It may be like Halloween; they've rebooted it.
1: So, but it's got the original cast members in it. It's got well, it's so got, did um, Halloween. So it's got um, you know, all, got Dewey, got you know, Patricia. Not Patricia. Arquette, what's her name? Um,
0: Sydney Prescott was Nev Campbell. David Arquette. Yeah,
1: Campbell and David Arquette. And it's also got um, Corny Cox in
0: it. And But I... Honestly, I love the Scream movies. I've always loved them. And I've said it before. Scream basically turned the horror genre around and put mystery and suspense back into it over the gore and violence. I loved it. And... It was so unique when it came out. People don't remember or didn't live through that time period to know what it was like. But horror movies were not like this when Scream came out. And I worked in the movie theater. I worked for Carmack Cinemas at the time. But then... What
1: year did did Scream come out?
0: Was it 96? I want
1: to say 1996. 96, I think it was, yeah. But...
0: You had Carmack Cinemas, and you had United Artists in, in Hickory. Both of them passed on screen. It opened in first place. Like, two weeks, three weeks after it was released, the Dollar Theater was able to pick it up and sold out for like two months on the weekends.
1: I don't understand how did they pass it up. I mean, that thing is an instant cult classic.
0: Because, like I said, it nobody thought it was going to be the hit that it was. And it was completely different from the horror movies of the time. So the distributors passed on it, thinking they wouldn't make any money. And now, remember, at the time, the Carmack Cinema in Hickory was a four-screen theater the car, the Regal United Artists Cinema was a six screen theater, so there were a lot of movies released that never did play because there wasn't a room for them.
1: What about the Crown?
0: That was the United Artists Regal Crown Cinema Six. Oh okay,
1: okay. I remember the I remember I remember going to a movie there and I forget which one it was, but it was raining and they had buckets and the water was coming down in front of the screen and it was just ruined it, but um. They, um, I remember seeing, there was not too long ago I saw an interview with, um, oh God, what's her name? She's in,
0: she's at the very beginning of the movie with Scream and she got killed. Drew Barrymore. Drew Barrymore. Which was also unexpected. The biggest name star in the film dies 15 minutes in.
1: Well, that's the whole thing. She said she wanted to die first because she said not, they said with her being, having such a big name. You know, Courtney Cox wasn't a small name either. I mean, she's on Friends. So.
0: Yeah, but she was not Star Power yet. No, not yet. But um,
1: they said no one would ever expect her getting killed off in the first ten minutes. So. And they didn't. No, no one expected that.
0: And, and it's such a great scene. Like, so well done. And she is basically alone talking to somebody on the phone through the whole thing. And you're riveted to the screen the whole time. It's like it never gets like, boring.
1: He goes, "Hello, hello, who am I talking to?" You know, oh my god, that voice. But so, uh, you know, they have the uh, now. One time, you could used to buy the Ghostface voice changer, and I don't know if they still got it or not, but it, it used to be available.
0: Well, Scream had such a massive marketing after it came out, and like you said, it was an absolute classic and. One of my all time favorite Every, horrors.
1: Everybody wanted to Ghostface outfit. They and, gotta have it.
0: And let's not shirk the little credibility here. Wes Craven was the driving force behind it. Kevin Williamson wrote it. Wes Craven directed it. So definitely a great film that I could watch again and again.
1: And oh, I have. Here it is Scream uh, 1996, an hour and 51 minutes. Um, let's see, it got a 7.3 on uh, what you call it, um, 6.65 on Metascore. Let's see, directed by Wes Craven. Um, I was looking to try to find a budget on it.
0: But one thing I will say is it's one of the last great movie soundtracks. The movie soundtracks
1: dropped after that. It had, it had a budget of $14 million. The opening weekend in the U.S., it did $6.354 million. So I'm $6.4 million. In the U.S., it ended up doing $103 million. $103 million, 46663 In the world, it ended up doing $173 million.
0: and it it shot Nev Campbell and Courtney Cox to start them because both of them were on successful TV shows at the time, remember, and Nev Campbell was actually better known than Courtney Cox at the time. Yep. Because Nev Campbell had been on Party of Five for a few years at that point.
1: Okay, this was so successful that they, I didn't know this, I didn't pay attention to it, in 1996 they came out with Scream. Well, in 1997 they came out with Scream 2 that quick. I guess
0: they wanted to jump on that again. Scream 2 was really good, too. I enjoyed all of the Scream movies.
1: Yeah, let's see what the budget was on that one.
0: I mean, none of them were as good as the first, and you're not going to be able to be as good as the first, but...
1: Well, this one had $24 million budget. Opening weekend, it did $32 million. Well, right at $33 million. Uh, U.S. gross, $101 million. But the the worldwide gross is 172 million, so it was a roaring success too.
0: But we got to move on because we're down to 25 minutes. Uh, Uh I got a few things here. First up, this is from Deadline: Kevin Bacon boards Bloomhouse, John Logan, LGBTQIA plus empowerment feature as star and EP. Kevin Bacon is joining John Logan's untitled horror project at Bloomhouse and will also serve as an executive producer alongside executive producer Scott Turner Schofield. The movie is a LGBTQIA plus empowerment tale set at a gay conversion camp and stars Theo Germain. The role marks a return for Bacon to the horror genre, a space he appeared in early on his career with Friday the 13th. Three-time Oscar nominee Logan will make and it says for Skyfall, Gladiator, and The Aviator, will make his feature directorial debut with the film he also wrote. Jason Blum and Michael Aguilar are producing. Bacon will serve as an EP alongside Scott Turner Schofield. But it's not... I didn't know that Kevin Bacon was
1: in Friday the 13th. Which
0: one? The very first one. Where have you been? Dude,
1: for real, where? When? He is in the first Friday the 13th. As many times as I've seen it, I did not well, even know that he was you there. you have
0: not paid very close attention because it's very obviously Kevin Bacon. A very young Kevin Bacon, but Kevin Bacon.
1: Oh my god, he's a camp counselor.
0: He's one of the ones that gets killed, I know that.
1: Yeah, he's a camp counselor, I remember now. I remember thinking, is that Kevin Bacon? Yeah, I think he's a camp counselor.
0: I'm not seeing that it says anything about what his character will be. I'm wondering if Kevin Bacon will be the one running the conversion camp. You
1: know, he's a good a good villain
0: too, so... He's good at everything. That's why you got 6 Degrees of Kevin Bacon. Because he's so damn good in so many things. Yeah. But, moving on, Variety has announced that Babylon 5 Reboot is in development at the CW. And it will be from the original series creator, J. Michael Straczynski. I don't really have much to say on that other than that it's happening because, one, it's still in the planning stages. Two, I was not a Babylon 5 fan. I never
1: really watched it. I didn't watch not one episode to episodes, and they loved, uh, love and for me. So,
0: um, On Instagram, Bootleg Universe posted a trailer with no sound, and it says, "...an exclusive sneak peek of Guardians of Justice." In competition at Cannes Series next month, it's ultimately a tale of the rise of Robo Hitler, cyborg T-Rexes with lasers, deadly ninjas, and a demonic squid alien invasion. It's a wild project, but an accurate representation of how Adi Shankar sees the world." And that's supposedly coming to Netflix, but I have not seen a date as to when. So it is a comedy, obviously with Robo Hitler. So, about Hitler. Yep. But it's there's the shot that I saw that drew, drew my attention was a blatant ripoff of the Justice League, with them standing my there try. in the orange background, like the animated Justice League. Oh, okay. But so I'll give it a try when it comes out. I don't know if it's going to be any good. I don't know anything about it other than what I just told you. Also, Amazon has greenlit. A spin off from the boys, and it will be at a college for young adult superheroes.
1: Yeah, I was, I saw that, but it really didn't give me
0: anything else. Yeah, that's about all they've announced is the, the premise. Yeah, and
1: it was just very vague.
0: And what was the, oh, Jupiter's Legacy, that was the show we were talking about. Yeah. Not, well, you know, from the same company, Millerworld, Netflix has announced a new anime coming. It is Super Crooks, which they'd already announced. It's set to debut Thursday, November 25th. Uh, 13 episodes. It is anime. So. Gross. I don't know what it's going to be like. I'll at least watch the first episode and see what it's like. I don't know if it's going to be something. I don't do anime. I'm not a big anime fan. Some things are really good, some things are terrible, and, and I really don't know what this is going to be. I'm not overly impressed by the animation or the picture that's on here because it kind of looks like the PJs, if you remember that show. Or no, the Boondocks, maybe, from Cartoon Network, or the Adult Swim. But it's of that nature. I don't uh, remember that. I, I wasn't a big fan. I watched so. Adult
1: Swim maybe a few times.
0: Well, Adult Swim had Robot Chicken, which they no longer have Family Guy, though.
1: Now, didn't they have, like, uh, Squidbillies? Yes. I did watch some Squidbillies, so...
0: They had all kinds of stuff on there. Live action and animation. And on the comic book side, DC is doing Fandom again this year. It'll take place October 16th. On October 5th you can start signing up for Fandom and receive an NFT. And I really don't know much about NFTs. They're non-fungible tokens for those who don't know. And this is an article from Variety. It says essentially digital versions of physical collectibles like baseball cards Are the swag du jour for Hollywood franchises looking to gin up fan excitement. The the thing about it, though, there are three, three Wonder Woman NFTs in this. And they are the ones that are being pushed, which is amazingly surprising to me that of all of the NFTs they're doing, the only ones in the article talked about are Wonder Woman. Because the article reads, for example, fans of the Princess of Themiskira a.k.a. Wonder Woman, can collect NFT covers designated as common 1987's Wonder Woman number 1 by George Perez, rare 2021's Nubia and the Amazons number 1 by Aletha Martinez, and or legendary Yara Floor on 2021's Future State Wonder Woman number 1 by Jenny Frizon cover. We spend a lot of time on how to translate and adapt these classic covers into a 21st century format such as NFTs, said Jim Lee, DC's publisher and chief creative officer. This drop pays homage to our 87-year history while visualizing a future in which NFTs play a foundational role in novel ways of interacting with DC content and unlocking new experiences. So, basically, something free for the fans when they sign up for the fandom. And... I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but at dccomics.com, there is a whole page announcing what's coming in October as we celebrate Wonder Woman's 80th year. Really? Really. She turns 80, I believe the first... This is the Hall of Fame, this is, the, the Comic Con character Hall of Fame will be inducting Wonder Woman virtually on Thursday, October 21st. I think her first published comic was in November, but it might have been October 21st, because that's what Wonder Woman Day is, and usually that's how it works out. It might have been cover dated November, I can't remember for sure, but... They, the one thing in this article, that, or it might not have been this article, it might have been on the Twitter, but the thing that got me was they said you can watch the massive Wonder Woman library on HBO Max. I'm like, it's not massive. You've got one television series with Linda Carter. You've got two animated movies. You've got two live-action movies. And that's it for her solo. You've got all kinds of team-up stuff, but you've got five solo projects. Batman has at least five solo animated series. At least. His library would be massive. Wonder Woman's is, we're giving you what we've got because we don't do much with her. Yeah, But... There is a ton of stuff. And like I said, it's on dccomics.com. One of the things that's cool is Echelon, a fitness company, has a golden lasso jump rope. And it's pictured on the DC Comics website. I remember
1: seeing something about... Maybe it was that. Maybe it was that. They talking about that.
0: I mean, there's, there is just a ton of stuff they're doing for her, and it's nice to finally see her get some appreciation because she has never gotten the consideration she should have. And her film is the single most successful of the DCEU so far.
1: Out, out of all the Batman films?
0: Well, I'm talking about DCEU, not Dark Knight, not. Batman with oh. Michael Keaton. Yeah, I'm I talking about, about this current one. Dark Knight.
1: Yeah, the Dark Knight films were really big.
0: Man of Steel, Batman vs Superman, Aquaman, Shazam, uh, the Justice League. None of them are the success that Wonder Woman was. Yeah. Aquaman had a bigger worldwide take, but Wonder Woman had the better critical acclaim and a huge domestic gross of over four hundred million.
1: And. She ended up doing Run of the Billion, didn't she?
0: Well, until Black Panther... And she I think she topped out about 700 and some thousand worldwide. Because a lot of countries would not play her. You said
1: 700 and some thousand, some Yeah, million. 700
0: and some million, but... But a lot of countries would not play her. And... I mean, like, Middle Eastern countries are not going to go watch a female hero, I don't think. So... It just all... I I think some of them banned her because of the outfit, too, because it wasn't enough clothing.
1: Wasn't it something about a religion? Something like that, too?
0: Well, yeah, she was... She's Israeli, I believe, Gal Gadot? Yeah, because she served in the Israeli Armed Forces. And that was part of it. But, I mean, it's just a lot of politics that shouldn't have been part of it and were. But go to yeah. DC Comics, see all the wonderful things that Wonder is actually going to get to do this year that she has been ignored for for so many years. But also in DC Land, Aquaman 2 announced that they were going to do a Green Lantern villain in the film. The villain is Karshan, best known for their alter ego of the shark. This is from MovieWeb.com, and will be played in the upcoming aquatic sequel by Hose and Escape Room Tournament of Champions star, India Moore. Moore will be joined by Jenny Zhao playing the new character of Stingray, Vincent Regan taking over the role of Atlan from Graham McTavish, and Game of Thrones star, and I'm gonna slaughter this one, Pilu Asbeck, who was also recently announced as having joined the cast of the upcoming Salem's Lot remake. Have you ever a, seen
1: Salem's
0: th- Lot? I've seen the original. the original. I haven't seen the remake with Rob Lowe. And yeah, I haven't a, seen one of them. Karshon is a character created by Gil Kane and John Broom and made their debut in Green Lantern No. 24 in 1963. After being exposed to experimental radiation, as all the comic book characters are, which is not true in DC, that's a Marvel thing, Karshon evolves from a regular tiger shark into a being with telekinetic powers the ability to control energy bolts, and is a manipulator of matter. Karshan became bent on hunting the Green Lantern and continued to be a nemesis of Hal Jordan's alter ego for some time, while constantly alternating between their shark form and their enhanced super-being form. The character made an appearance in the Crisis of Infinite Earths arc, and has since appeared as an enemy of the Flash in Green Lantern Corps number 32, and also featured with the Suicide Squad, which they died as part of. So, sounds like it could be an interesting character but I really don't know anything about the character so yeah which is a good thing because you get something new in an Aquaman movie
1: I have some mystique about it
0: and also from DC Deadline reports that HBO Max is doing a documentary series about DC's history and legacy from Leslie Iwerks and I don't know if it says when it's gonna Yeah, I don't see anything as to when it's supposed to debut but it's definitely something I'll be watching and I've watched many DC documentaries uh, the one I believe it was Secret Origins hosted by Ryan Reynolds there's the one about the villains and You can see some of them on YouTube free for anybody that wants to watch some of the DC Comics documentaries. And they're really good. Every one of them I've seen has been really good. But my final bit of news is something that we will be partaking of on this show through the month of October. I already told you. HBO Max and Cartoon Network have announced... Scoobtober for October. What is it if... going
1: to be like every week some kind of Scooby thing is going to be coming
0: on? Cartoon Network will be having Scooby-Doo movies every weekend. I don't know what all is going to be on HBO Max yet, but I do know that they're going to have new episodes. This The article that I've got pulled up is from Variety. And it says, HBO Max... Announced that Scoobtober programming will begin October 1st on HBO Max and Cartoon Network, featuring over 17 hours of Scooby-Doo content with new celebrity guests on the animated series Scooby-Doo and Guess Who, including Sean Astin, Jessica Biel, Terry Bradshaw, Lucy Liu, Jason Sudeikis, and Run DMC, and the one that we will definitely review for the show, Cher, will be guest starring. You're muted. Yeah. Shut up. It says, The lineup includes new episodes of Scooby-Doo and Guess Who, Scooby-Doo films from the Warner Brothers Home Entertainment Library, and the Cartoon Network premiere of Scoob, airing October 24th. Two films will be aired every Sunday, and additional Scooby-Doo episodes can be found on the CN app. Watch the Scooby-Doo and Guess Who trailer below. and I watched it, and it looks great. It's just one small clip of share and you don't even hear her speaking in it. But but this article also goes on and talks about something which I told you. You need to see if you can get the Roku channel app because it is available in multiple formats, not just Roku. But
1: well, see, I looked at I looked at that, but I don't know how to do it. I don't. I looked at Roku, but it's like I got to have some kind of a box or something, don't I?
0: The the Roku channel, you don't. It's the app. So... I'm gonna go look for that right now. Okay. But it's... I know that the Roku channel is available on the Fire Stick, and I know it's available on the Roku, obviously. But it's it's free stuff and ads in it. But this article reads, Roku will debut three horror-themed Roku originals as part of a Freak Out Friday campaign that features new horror content for the month of October. When the street lights go on, a film that tells the story of a double homicide in a small Midwestern suburb will premiere October 8th. Fifty States of Fright is a horror anthology with tales for every state and will premiere October 15th. And The Expecting follows a mysterious pregnancy and the potential dark secrets surrounding it and will premiere October 29th. Oh,
1: you're talking about the Roku Channel, right? Yes,
0: that's what I just said.
1: Well see, all the top, now I want you to look at this on my iPhone here. um, I want to dim the screen. When I did Roku, all of this is for Roku um, remote controls, all that. I had to keep going all the way down here to the bottom, and then it came up to the Roku channel, probably about eight or ten apps down below. It wouldn't bring up that Roku channel. So it sounds like Apple's trying to suppress that for some reason.
0: Because Apple oh. probably doesn't make much money off of it because it's Roku. And Apple, so as we've it, said, is money money scum.
1: You said it's free?
0: Yes, the Roku channel is free.
1: Okay, I'm going to download it right quick.
0: And there's a lot of good entertainment on the Roku channel. There are live channels on the Roku channel, which a lot of the live channels on the Roku channel are also available on Pluto TV and other things. But, the, the thing that I like about Roku, they have the original TV series, SWAT, which I enjoyed a lot. And I've watched many of those episodes. They have ALF. They have The Greatest American Hero, Nightman, Mutant X, Alfred Hitchcock Hour, Alfred Hitchcock Presents. I mean, there's a ton of stuff on there. Medium just recently got added. So... Uh, I mean, you can go through and look at... The only thing I have against the Roku channel is you can't go to a category and see every title under that category. Or at least I've not found a way to do it yet.
1: Create a free
0: account. Okay.
1: Here we go. So. oh, this is involved.
0: Well... And that brings us, unfortunately, once again to the segment of Those We've Lost this week. First up, this is from People Magazine. Emergency actor Tim Donnelly has passed away at the age of 77. I don't know if you've ever watched Emergency, but you can see it weekdays on Cozy TV if it's still airing. I've watched it time time to time. I've watched it, and I've really enjoyed the show. But I really was not familiar with him. It says prior to being cast in the NBC action comedy, Tim also, Tim appeared in other shows including The Virginian, Hawaii Five-O, Project U.F.O., Dragnet, 1967, and Adam Twelve. He was born September 3rd, 1944. His father, Paul, was a production executive at Universal Pictures. He made his debut as Fireman Chet Kelly in 1972 in Emergency which focused on the new paramedical rescue service crew of the L.A. Fire Department. His filmography also included several features. In 1978, Tim acted in his brother's horror film, The Toolbox Murders. His other films included The Clonus Horror and The Secret of Santa Vittoria. He is survived by his daughter Ashley, two grandsons, his sister Kathleen, and his brother Dennis. But he passed at the age of 77, Due to complications from surgery. And another one that really I've seen a pretty good bit of outpouring for. This is from Deadline Tommy Kirk dies, child of star of the Old Jeller and the Shaggy Dog was 79. And. It says, Tommy Kirk, one of Disney's major young stars of the 1950s and early 60s with performances in generational touchstone films such as Old Jiller, The Shaggy Dog, and Son of Flubber, died Tuesday at his home in Las Vegas. He was 79.
1: I'm trying to find, um, did you see where the, the, um, there was an actress, That was on the original series of Batman. Yeah, I'm
0: going to get to her next. Oh, yeah, because I was
1: was thinking that, you know, okay. Yeah. I saw that on Facebook.
0: But his death was announced on Facebook by friend and fellow child star Paul Peterson, who said, My friend of many decades, Tommy Kirk, was found dead last night. Tommy was intensely private. He lived alone in Las Vegas, close to his friend and old Yeller co-star Bev Washburn, and it was she who called me this morning. Tommy was gay and estranged from what remains of his blood family. We, in a minor consideration, are Tommy's family. With, without apology, we will take care of this. So, says Kirk said in a 1993 interview with Film Facts magazine writer Kevin Minton that he realized he was gay at age 17 or 18 and that his sexual orientation all but destroyed his career. Quote, Disney was a family film studio and I was supposed to be their young leading man. After they found out I was involved with someone, that was the end of Disney. I considered my teenage years as being desperately unhappy. I knew I was gay, but I had no outlet for my feelings. It was very hard to meet people and, at that time, there was no place to go to socialize. It wasn't until the early 60's that I began to hear of places where gays congregated. The lifestyle was not recognized and I was very, very lonely. Oh, I had some brief, very passionate encounters and as a teenager I had some affairs. But they were always stolen, back alley kind of things. They were desperate and miserable. When I was about 17 or 18 years old, I finally admitted to myself that I wasn't going to change. I didn't know what the consequences would be, but I had the definite feeling that it was going to wreck my Disney career and maybe my whole acting career. It was all going to come to an end. It says, Although he left the Disney youth films behind by the mid-60s, Following starring roles in Swiss Family Robinson, The Absent-Minded Professor, Babes in Toyland, Moon Pilot, *Bone Voyage, Savage Sam, The Misadventures of Merlin Jones, and The Monkey's Uncle, Kirk went on to appear in a strain of the popular beach party movies of that decade. He played a Martian in the 1964 feature film Pajama Party, and also starred in The Ghost in the Invisible Bikini and It's a Bikini World. So it, basically, if you want to pay tribute to him, I'm sure the vast majority of those Disney films are available on Disney+. So, very sad, the, the past history of gay men in the 50s and 60s. Well, it does say, in 1956, Kirk was cast as Joe Hardy opposite Tim Considine's Frank Hardy in the Mickey Mouse Club serialized adventure the Hardy Boys, The Mystery of the Applegate Treasure. Those would probably be pretty cool to see again, too. Because I remember watching the Mickey Mouse Club all the time. and uh, That's where
1: Justin Timberlake and Britney Spears got their got But
0: their that started. was a revival. This was the original yeah. Mickey Mouse Club with Annette Funicello and everybody. And I I watched the reruns as a kid because I really enjoyed it. M-I-C-K-E-Y-M-O-U-S-E.
1: M-O-U-S-E. Mickey Mouse Donald Duck. Mickey Mouse Donald Duck. Song in Georgia,
0: <laughs> but our hearts go out to Tommy Kirk and his friends and his adoptive family, basically, since apparently his blood family is like so many others and disowned him. And next up is the one you were talking about. This is from Yahoo. Gene Hale Coleman in Like Flint and Batman Star dies at 82. It says it was natural causes on August 3rd. So, took a while for this news to get out apparently because it made the rounds this past week, but it was almost two months ago. She was born on December twenty seventh, 1938 in Salt Lake City, grew up in Darien, Connecticut, attended college at the University of Utah and Skidmore College. And the one thing I kept looking for, and this article finally showed it, was they kept saying Batman Star, but they never said what she played on there. According to this article, she was an accomplice of the Mad Hatter in two episodes of Batman. So she only made it into two episodes, but at least you know that it's one of the Mad Hatter. If the Mad Hatter was in more than one two-parter, I don't know, but that's what she was in. Um... She debuted in the 1963 horror film Violet and Midnight, started a production company with Gino Tanasescu in 1984 before going solo in 2000, she played villain Lisa Norton in In Like Flint. According to the Hollywood Reporter, Hale's most recent project before her death was a script called Being Being Genie, based on a true story of a woman who impersonated her in the 1960s. That might be kind of interesting. She is survived by her three children, Kelly, Randy, and Quincy, who share Dabney Coleman as their father. Now, I know you know who Dabney Coleman is. You never watched 9 to 5? The movie? Yes.
1: I've seen it once.
0: Well, he was the boss on 9 to 5. Mr. Hart. Yeah, I
1: saw the movie once and I saw the stage play just a couple weeks ago.
0: How have you only seen 9 to 5 one time? That is a classic.
1: It's just not on my radar.
0: You know what? We may have to review that one again. Again? No, I've never reviewed it. And you don't remember it, so I think we may have to do that one down the road. We'll definitely be doing Princess Bride after Halloween, because that one was already decided.
1: Now, I saw something, or heard something, what was it? Something's going on with the Princess Bride. Isn't there like a part two or something coming out?
0: I don't know I told you last week about the action figures coming out
1: oh no it's something else is there a princess diaries
0: there is a princess diaries one and two
1: maybe it was the princess diaries I that
0: had um, what's her name who was in the she was Catwoman in Batwoman, bat or the dark Knight rises I, I can see her I can't think of her name
1: yeah I see her too she's got that black hair
0: It'll come to me. But next up, this is also from Yahoo. Al Harrington dies. Hawaii Five-O actor was 85. Al Harrington, a Samoan-American actor who had roles on both the original Hawaii 5 TV series and its CBS reboot decades later, died Tuesday in Honolulu as a result of a stroke last week. He was 85. His death da- 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 was announced da- da- by his da- family. Da- 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 I
1: remember that. Lord, I remember that, that show coming on when I
0: was a kid. Well, his his picture as an old man looks so much different than him from back in in the show. Wasn't that like in
1: the early '80s or was it whenever that came out? No, that Ohio? was
0: '70s. '70s. Okay. That may have started in the '60s, but. Says in I'm 1972, back. he joined the cast of CBS's hit police drama Hawaii Five O, starring Jack Lord playing Detective Ben Kakua. Harrington had already appeared on the series in other roles since its debut in 1968. He remained with the show until 1975. The actor returned to the successful franchise with the 2010 CBS reboot, recurring as the character. Mamo Kahike, until the show was canceled in 2020. So, he was there for the run of both series. In between the two series, Harrington appeared frequently on television with roles on The Jeffersons, Magnum P.I., Jake and the Fat Man, Scrubs, and many others. His film credits include The Homecoming of Jimmy White Cloud, Forrest Gump, and White Fang 2. So, you're talking about someone who was truly legendary here because honestly like it don't like it I never tried to watch the reboot but I did watch the original series because of my mom with Hawaii 5-0 hugely popular hugely successful series obviously they did it it ran from 68 to 75 and then brought it back 2010 to 2020 and guest starring on the Jeffersons I mean, you don't get much more iconic than the Jeffersons.
1: Well, okay, in 68 to 75. I was born in 72. It must have been in syndication on the right side of the kid.
0: Yeah, it, it, had been. To be. it was in reruns for a long time.
1: Yeah, because I remember seeing that.
0: But, of course, the epitome comes in. He was in one of the most iconic films of all time, Forrest Gump. So... You ever been to Savannah? Do what?
1: You ever been to Savannah?
0: Nope.
1: You could go down there and do the the Forrest the Gump tour, and I've been down there, and I've seen the park bench where he sits on. Life is like a box of chocolates, and I got to sit exactly in that park bench where he sat at, and I had my picture made there, and I thought that was really cool. Did you get to and all sit? And that, all that, you you sit on the opposite right there. There's a bronze statue of him sitting there. A bronze you, statue of him with the chocolates.
0: Do you get to sit next to
1: Sally's bed? Um, no, nothing I
0: know of. Well, see, there you go. Because Sally was the most important thing in that movie.
1: And also, um, you can do the Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil tour.
0: Never watched that movie.
1: Oh, that's a damn good movie. Okay, we're reviewing that one.
0: But... Finally, with the passings, this is from vanityfair.com. Melvin Van Peebles, trailblazing African American auteur, dead at 89. The Renaissance man wrote, directed, and wrote, directed, starred, and edited, scored, and produced the influential 1971 film Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song. Uh. I don't remember that. I never watched it. I know the name, but I've never watched it. It says on here, the Criterion Collection and Janus Films also celebrated Van Peebles' contributions to cinema in a joint statement. Quote, in an unparalleled career, Van Peebles made an indelible mark on the international cultural landscape. He will be deeply missed. His work continues to be essential and is being celebrated at the New York Film Festival this weekend with a 50th anniversary screening of his landmark film Sweet Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song. They're not really giving a rundown of his films and such. So, to so Bing here. Movies and TV shows. Watermelon Man. He was in The Shining with Jack Nicholson. Jaws the wow. Revenge. Posse, Panther. Uh, that might be the extent of what I know right offhand. The TV show Living Single with Queen Latifah and Kim Cole, or Kim Fields. Uh... The Hebrew Hammer. Last Action Hero with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Boomerang with Eddie Murphy. In the Heat of the Night, the TV show with Carol O'Connor. The soap opera All My Children. He's listed for Soul Train. Jim Brown All-American. Vroom vroom vroom. The TV show Dream On from HBO. Homicide Life on the Street, the TV series. So, lots of things that you clearly know. He's also listed for Showtime at the Apollo. And again, I don't know if it was just producing credits, directing credits, writing credits. But clearly he could do it all. So, definitely check out some of his stuff and pay tribute to a legendary figure. And that brings us to the end of this week, or this part, not this week, we still got another segment to go. But, <laughs> right. Well, if you
1: want to sign off now, I mean, I'm perfectly fine with it, I could to bed.
0: Well, we've still got to review your choice of the order from the Netflix TV series. And, my choice, Intrusion, the new film from Netflix. So, stay tuned, we'll be right back. Welcome back. As always, let's talk about the top ten films of the weekend. We'll start, because we've been tracking it, Black Widow, dropped from 16 to 17, 12 weeks of release, $114,721, 114,721, a total of 183, over 183.5 million. 560,000, line 29. But at number 10, a debut, Love Story, $971,000. Down from 8 to 9, Paul Patrol the Movie, $1,175,398 in its sixth weekend, with almost $39 million to date. Down from 6 to 8, Cop Shop. Over one and a quarter million, two week total, almost four and a half million. Down from five to seven, Malignant, also on HBO Max at the time, one and a half million dollars in its third weekend, twelve million two hundred sixty four thousand two hundred sixty eight dollars total. Up from seven to six is Jungle Cruise, almost one and three quarter million in its ninth weekend. Almost 115 million dollars to date, down from three to five. Cry Macho, which is also on HBO Max, two million forty-seven thousand fifty-four dollars in its second weekend. Eight million two hundred seventy-four thousand dollars, seventy-four thousand five hundred ninety-two total. Holding steady at four. Candyman, over two and a half million in its fifth weekend. Almost fifty-seven million dollars total. Down from two to three, Free Guy, $4.1 million, It's seventh weekend in release, $114,121,092. A shocker from the way everybody's been talking, they were saying this film is getting slaughtered. And opening at second place with almost $7.5 million, I don't consider that getting slaughtered. But that's the film Dear Evan Hansen. Maybe because the projections originally were higher than what it's grossing, but I don't find that too shabby in a COVID times when the number one film is about five and a half million better than it. Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings, once again number one for the fourth week, just over $13 million. Grand total $196,205,495, which now puts it roughly. 13, well, 12 and a half, 13 million above Black Widow. So boosted by not being on Disney Disney Plus apparently, but is it that or is it that this was a character people wanted to see on the screen more?
1: Have you seen it yet? I have not. I keep wanting to go see it on the weekends and I'm probably going to go see it at that same theater that I saw it in Gastonia. Um, with my friends where we were the only ones in the theater and we went and saw it the last showing of that night on Sunday night. So I think we're going to do that this coming weekend and see it, um, you know, the last showing and see if we can get in there by ourselves again.
0: Um, I'm not going to any theaters anytime soon. And wasn't it November 12th was the Disney Plus premiere for it?
1: I didn't pay attention, I don't know
0: because it's, it's Disney Plus Day it's one of the multiple things coming to Disney Plus is it
1: just one day?
0: no it'll be there but it's on that day they premiere because it's the, that Jungle Cruise the Star Wars thing Marvel stuff a bunch of stuff coming to Disney Plus on Disney Plus Day so it's not just going to be for one day it's going to be like for the rest of the month I
1: guess no, or remember, Christmas
0: well it'll be until they take it off
1: Okay, because there's a lot of a lot of stuff that I want to watch. I just want to make sure if it's not for one day, then I want to take off
0: the whole day and start watching at 6 o'clock in the morning all the way to about midnight. <laughs> no, it's not like that. It's like everything else. I'll like, it, it premieres I mean, okay, on there no that day. No one call me. No one text
1: me. No one freaking bother me. I've got too much shit to watch.
0: <laughs> well, that's, that's me on a regular week now. Cause, and I don't know if anybody out there knows that I've I've been trying to do the eye screening Room, where they send you an invitation to preview a film that's not finished yet, and then you take a survey after the film about it. And so far, I've only been able to watch like three of them due to my time constraints, and I can't talk about them on, on here because they, they hold you to secrecy. But you go, they send you the link, you go sign in, you watch the movie then you take a survey afterwards so you get a free movie so that's something for people that if they have time they might want to look into too is i screening room the letter i screening hey, room
1: did you ever get your results back for covid did you i mean you never did tell me
0: no they lost the test or they corrupted the test or something and i never did go get tested again i guess you're back at work i've been back at work they called and because I was out Labor Day, and they kept me out. And then Thursday at about 2, they called, which my shift starts at 3, and they said that the doctor there said that if I'm not having symptoms, I can come back to work, even without the negative test.
1: Okay, well, hey, that's when
0: you go. Well, <laughs> no, I, I wanted to get back to work, but I couldn't go back that day because they were calling me too late, and I hadn't showered or anything. It's so like, you got to give me more Uh-oh. than an hour's notice to get to work.
1: Um do they give you COVID pay when you're
0: out still? I use my time. See well, that we sucks. our our vacation days and sick days and if we work a holiday, all of that, we get it rolls over if we don't lose it. So oh. until we use it, it's there. We bank it. It's one of the perks okay. of working a government job.
1: Any openings? <laughs>
0: Yes, there are. And. We'll talk more off the air. And quite honestly, our hospital will pay you to learn to become a CNA. Shut up. Yeah.
1: Okay, we'll talk more about that. Let's get the review
0: okay. in. Well, we'll start off with Intrusion. It's a Netflix original film. Uh, IMDb ranks at 5.1 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes hated it. 29% on the tomato meter and 27% on the audience score. And I'm afraid I'm not going to be real kind to this film either.
1: Intrusion? Yes. Oh, I love that film.
0: I found this film incredibly predictable.
1: Well, I, it kind of reminded me of um, when I was watching it, it kind of reminded me of almost sleeping with the enemy, but not like that. You know how. The husband
0: was. Yeah. Well, I've seen this kind of story multiple times. And I'm not taking anything away from the actors in it. They all did a fine job. It's just the script was weak and extremely predictable. And I, I mean, I really don't have a lot to say for this film. I was expecting a lot more from it. I did not get it.
1: were really good they I thought that they played a really good fit role in the film Now um, there wasn't any recognizable
0: actors for me I did not recognize any of those people did you? Well the names I do and <coughs> I recognized Frida Pinto but I couldn't place her in anything but Logan Marshall Green I knew his name and I'm trying to think. Of what it is all that I've seen him in. He was the husband Uh Spider Man Homecoming. He's on the TV TV show Big Sky, which returns tonight actually. And I enjoyed I was that actually
1: show a lot. I was I actually was thinking I know him from something and I've seen him in something, but I can't remember what it is.
0: He was mill drone pilot in Snowden As I lay Dying, He Was Jewel. Oh, the TV show Traveler, which I watched on YouTube because I found out about it way after it aired. It had Matt Bomer in it. And if I'm not mistaken, it's that show. He was Tyler Fogg in it. Let me pull that one up and see what it says. Yeah, that's the one with Matt Bomer.
1: Didn't you say Spider-Man Homecoming? Yep. I'm trying to see what he played in that.
0: Shocker number one. There he is. But he was in and he the episode of Law & Order. Well, that was a good movie. Did you, ever, did you ever see Devil? Oh, the one on the elevator? He was very, it was very good. Very, very good. Oh,
1: that was a damn good movie. That was an M.
0: Night Shyamalan movie, wasn't it? What a
1: twist! I'm pretty sure that's an M. Night Shyamalan movie.
0: What a twist! See, if you'd watch Robot Chicken, you would understand that.
1: Yeah,
0: okay. Because M. Night Shyamalan would come in and go, What a twist! I tell you what, that man has a twisted mind. Frida Pinto, that's where I know her from. Slumdog Millionaire. She's also known for Rise of the Planet of the Apes, Immortals, and Knight of Cups. Oh, she was in Hillbilly Elegy. Which you picked and we reviewed. At least I liked that movie. I thought it was a damn good movie. I liked it. I didn't like it as well as you did, but I liked it. I definitely suggest watching it.
1: But she played Usher, whoever that is, in that movie.
0: So. Wasn't that his wife?
1: I can't remember.
0: Pretty sure she was his wife. But anyways, like I said, I don't have a lot to say for Intrusion. The actors are great. They do a good job. I'll take nothing away from them. They all have their credits that we've enjoyed the stuff they've done. This one, like I said, it's just, it's so predictable from start to finish. Can we talk about it and just how it ended for a second? Without giving it away for anybody who wants to suffer through this. Okay.
1: Okay. At the very end of the movie, all I'm going to say is the house is for sale. That's all I'm going to say. What did you think about that? You know what my instant thought was? What? It comes with a lot of extras, if you know what I mean. <laughs> oh! What if they put that out there? I,
0: I would not mind having that that secret place. That I'm not going to mention anything more than it's a secret place. But I'm not either. It it would be cool to have because I've always thought having a house with secret passages would be awesome. Like you always see it in TV shows and movies, but you never I mean, have. That
1: was a
0: massive
1: secret passage i mean yeah, come on but i mean because I, I, I thought about that it's like you know they put the sign out there said sold and i was like well did they divulge any of this
0: <laughs> i'm sure it wasn't they hard up to
1: front in any of this
0: i'm sure it wasn't hard to like, find out if they didn't because
1: or they were just like you know hiding the fact that it had it because that would be like... I'd be like, you know, here's this such and such, by the way, and blah, blah, blah.
0: <laughs> I'm also looking up Robert John Burke. He was the detective, and it says he's known for Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, Thinner, Robocop 3, and Tombstone. And Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, if you've never seen it, was very good. It was the Chuck Barris of the Gong Show. It was a story of him. And Based on his book, where he claimed to be a spy for the U.S. government, I think the FBI or CIA or something like that. And he was the host of The Gong Show. The Gong Show? Yes, he was the host of The Gong Show, and he wrote a book claiming that he was a spy for the government. That was that fiction? It was a really good movie. Had Brad Pitt, Julia Roberts, George Clooney. I want to say Matt Damon made an appearance in it. None of them were the that big stars. Like, Sam like Rockwell played Do what? That sounds like the Casper is 13. Well, some of them. Oh, and there's something else I saw. Robert John Birkin, you know, the guy still knew he played the detective. He was in the series Project Blue Book. That might be why he looked familiar to me. Because... We reviewed the first episode of Project Blue Book, maybe the first two, and I don't know if you ever finished watching it. I really wish they would have continued the series, because it was really good. I didn't watch it. No. It's it's on IMDb TV free now. It was on Peacock. I don't know if it still is, but the last I saw it was on IMDb TV for free. And I own the first season on on digital and Blu-ray, but... The second season they only put out on DVD and I didn't buy it. Cause I'd like to have Blu-ray and digital. I'm the completist, I want the same thing in each in each set. But, but as far as this movie goes, I just wasn't overly thrilled. The point in its favor is it's short, it's an hour and a half. So.
1: Yeah, that was a saving grace because lately all the movies you've been picking it's like two hours and ten minutes or something.
0: Which is an average run time for a film. Yeah, but no, that's like a commitment.
1: I mean, that's like a relationship. You've got to have a relationship with that thing. So, uh,
0: Do you have anything more to add or do you want to just go ahead and rate this one?
1: I really enjoyed it. It is very suspenseful, and there was a couple times where yes, I did kind of jump because you know there were some jump scares in some of those places in the movie. So I actually, I actually enjoyed it. I actually, I recommend it.
0: So yeah, what what'd you get it?
1: I'm gonna give it a good solid three.
0: Yeah, like I said, the the production value is good. The acting's good, the script just didn't do anything for me. Like I said, it's extremely predictable, and it didn't pull me in. An hour and a half might have been too much. Maybe cut out some of the crap and condense it to a hour TV show. You might have had a better story, but like I said, it's, more, it's nothing new. We've seen this story before. I'm giving it one and a half. Like oh, God. Okay. I really was not impressed.
1: Let's compare that to the, this you, the YouTube uh, hold on, let me say it the YouTube uh, fan-based Friday the 13th film. Which one was better?
0: I'll still go with Intrusion. It's a much better quality film.
1: Ah, come on, Chris,
0: you know you enjoyed that one. There were no porn stars trying to be actors in Intrusion. (laughs) Unlike the Friday the 13th fan film. Ah, come on, Chris, you know you liked it. Uh, no. But that brings us up to Paul's pick for this week, which is the series The Order on Netflix. IMDb currently has it 6.8 out of 10. And Rotten Tomatoes, the tomato meter, has it 100%. The audience score seventy three percent, and I'm really honestly shocked that the critics like this so much. Paul, you picked awesome. it, so you go ahead and talk about
1: it. Well, I've been wanting to watch this for quite some time now um, because I've been looking for something like, um, like, like a, a, a replacement for Supernatural. We, you know, we ended up reviewing um, Adventures of. Um, Sabrina uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I ended up blazing through all those episodes, and I'm like, damn, this is a good series, you know, You know, I've, I've really missed Supernatural, um, and all the goes on that's in between it, you know, that goes on with it, and um, I've just, it's a very good show, and I've been looking for a replacement for it, And but, you know, Supernatural is on, you know, for years and years and years and years and years. So with that being said, I thought, you know, this has been coming up because you watch Supernatural, you must like this. So it's been coming up on my list for quite some time now. And you know what? It's damn good. I enjoyed it. From the very first episode, I've already watched three or four episodes into it now. And it's just keeping getting better and better and better. I, I really enjoy it. I mean, the acting, the special effects... The storyline to it, um, the grand, well okay, I'll, I'll go ahead and say it. the grandfather uh, raised a son because the father ended up missing when he went over to this college that the kid's going to be attending. Well, well
0: come speaking, to find out. Speaking of the grandfather, real quick, did you notice who he was?
1: He looked very familiar.
0: His name is Matt Frewer. He has yeah. played Sherlock Holmes. He was in the TV series Haven, but you will best know him as Max Hedrum.
1: Shut the front door. That was Max Hedrum. That's Max
0: Hedrum. Yep. Oh my gosh. If anybody
1: doesn't know who Max Hedrum is, that is a character from, wasn't it MTV?
0: No, it was Pepsi commercials or Coke. It was Coke commercials. No Pepsi. I thought it
1: was MTV. I
0: thought it was MTV. I don't know where Why'd he got to start.
1: He was—he was probably on MTV. He did MTV, some kind of award show, right? He
0: there did was the even shows with it. there was even a TV series, the Max Hedrum show, which is available on DVD, and I have But if you if you don't know him, the easiest thing to find to see it is the '80s Cafe in Back to the Future Part Two. Because he was an 80's phenomenon. And they have Max Hedrum. They have Ronald Reagan as a Max Hedrum. And I can't remember who else they had in there.
1: Well. Anyway. They, he plays his grandfather. And the boy ends up. His father ends up going uh, missing. In his college. And um, it, it's the whole idea. Of the boy going to the college. To figure out what is the mystery going on behind how his father ended up missing so it uh chris did you watch past the first episode
0: watched the first two did you so it's it's really good i enjoyed it so um has a good storyline i love it so Yeah. yeah it kind of reminded me of charmed in a way too i gotta i gotta say it this one just struck me as funny. I don't know how he pronounces his name, and I apologize to the actor, but I find it funny. The The name beside of Matt Frewer on IMDb for this show is Matty Finocchio. F-I-N-O-C-H-I-O. And that to me is just a funny name. Matty Finocchio. He played Professor Cameron Foley. But the problem that I see with this is... This show is clearly targeting a teeny-bopper audience.
1: I would not, not necessarily. The it's rating... It's targeting the, it's tar- targeting the
0: t- Would you the let me finish? The show is clearly targeting a teeny-bopper audience, but the rating is targeting an adult audience because it's TVMA, even though their TVMA is for language and smoking, which I don't even remember seeing anybody smoking in it, but that's what they had up there. Well, if
1: you watch past the second episode, you'll see why it's TVMA as well. There's some blood gore in the third
0: one. I mean, that's all it says on there is TVMA language and smoking.
1: Yeah.
0: Quite honestly, Netflix, I understand that smoking is bad. I'm not a smoker. I've never been a smoker. I can't stand the smell of cigarette smoke. But somebody smoking in a movie or a TV show is not worthy of a TVMA. It's not worthy of an advisory on the screen. Because if that's the case, then we better go back and slap some TVMAs and advisories on Andy Griffith, and I Love Lucy, and, well, episodes of Wonder Woman,
1: and, I
0: mean, you name it. Also on that show, The
1: Adventress of Sabrina, one of her aunties, all the time having a parliament
0: and a cigarette in her hand. Yeah. And so they need to remove the smoking from it because, like, I'm one of the biggest advocates against smoking, but it just annoys me to see that on there as a warning. Like, I'm, that, I'm not, not going to smoke because it's anything. on there. I'm not going to be mad because somebody's smoking on it. You know... If there's really bad violence, why isn't violence listed in the TVMA warning instead of language and smoking? Netflix, you got to pull it together there. But yeah, it's and the reason I say this is targeted to a teeny bopper crowd is it's again they pick pretty people to put in the show the the script is not extremely deep. It's pretty easy to follow. It's not at all confusing. You see what's going on right away. And all of those are good things so far. Well, to an extent. Like the <coughs> let, let's think back. The X Files. The two main people were pretty, Gillian Anderson, David Duchovny, very good-looking people. Yeah, I would give them that. But the supporting cast was not full of beautiful people. The scripts were written to intentionally bring confusion, keep Mystique going. You had to stay paying attention to many of the episodes because of the details in them. And that was one of the greatest series ever made. So you can have a confusing show and make it good. Because the X-Files proved it. Yeah, the X-Files to this. Come well, on. no, because this is nowhere near the League of X-Files.
1: It's, that's but what I'm, I'm just saying. saying. That's just like comparing a Mercedes-Benz to a Chevy Carbac. You can't do
0: that. I'm saying you don't have to have it as straightforward. Like, this is what it is. There's no need for explanation because you can understand everything. You you have room for mystique in this this is, under,
1: this is understandable, and there's mystique in it. You don't know what's going to be happening. Just like if you'd watched the third episode, you'll understand what I'm saying. Well,
0: in the first two there was nothing impressive to me. Nothing that moved me along. I might continue watching it, I might not. It's not a terrible watch. show.
1: And you watch the third one, you're gonna crap in your panties what happens in that one. Yeah,
0: sure. But
1: I'm for real, I didn't see this coming. I didn't see it coming.
0: Well, so can I, can I can I talk about what's in, what's in the episode I mean it's a whole series can I talk about what's in part, in part 2 as the werewolf. long as you don't give spoilers cause
1: well what I'm saying is the werewolf that's in it that appears
0: well you've said well, it now
1: I, well I didn't say what he did but anyways well he comes back in part 3 in a big way big way yeah Nice. I can't tell exactly how big but it's
0: uh you're gonna go oh my god I did not see that coming and I did not see that coming well, it says it was shot so, primarily at the University of British Columbia in Vancouver yep
1: so yeah there's some beautiful scenery there um, for the for the for the um, filming of it for sure well,
0: You wanted a a supernatural connection. Matt Frewer and Adam DeMarco, Catherine Isabel, Jedida Goodcare, Jewel State, and Ian Tracy have all appeared in Supernatural. That is too wild. Say, hey, it does have a supernatural connection. Yeah, There's not much in the trivia. Like, that's one of the more interesting things on there. The Ark of the Covenant, the biblical container of the Ten Commandments, also known from Indiana Jones, is briefly shown in the Order Finals Part 2 and the Order Free Radicals Part 2. Which, that meant nothing to me, to be honest. Like, there's not much trivia on there. and The supernatural connection and the filming location is the vast majority of it. But that's that's one drawback to filming in Vancouver and it's I'm gonna sidetrack here like we always do, but like Stargirl. It's T V show on CW. We reviewed the first episode. I love the series. Absolutely love the series. But it's this season is Stargirl Summer School. And the episode they just had was July 4th. And I think they're set in the upper Midwest. But they're walking around in jackets and pants and long sleeves. And because it's filmed in um, Because it's filmed Canada. in Vancouver during the times where it's... And they kind of worked it in because Eclipso has made it all dark and... The temperature drops because of that. But it's the same thing I had with the second season of Love, Victor. They're getting ready to go back to school in Georgia. And they're having a, a bonfire. or It's more like a little campfire that they're sitting in front of the night before the first day of school. And they're acting like they're cold. Georgia is not cold in August or September.
1: I'll tell you what, whenever I lived in Ohio, we had bonfires in June and July. Stepping away from the fire in the evenings, you could see your breath. For real, in June and July and in August. But where was that? It got down in, in Ohio. So, at very night, the very northern of the United States. Do I, very was, northern yeah. of the United States. At night, whenever the sun would go down, and if we wanted to go out to eat, I wore a jacket. It was that cold. And
0: were you near a big body of water where you were?
1: Yeah, it was right there below the right, see, that's, right there like That's another
0: key, because you can see your breath in the upper 60s if there's enough moisture in the air.
1: Yeah, it was cold. To me, and it got down every night in the forties, even during the summer.
0: But, but yeah, as far as this show though, I don't really have anything more to discuss on it. Did you have anything you wanted to speak on it more?
1: I want to continue to watch the whole series. That's how much I like it.
0: Yeah. I had you do the the rating the last one. I'll do this one. Overall, it, like I said, it's not bad, it's just not great. It's too teeny boppery for me, and it's, like I said, aiming it at the teeny-bopper crowd and then ra- slapping it with a TVMA rating, it's like you're not understanding your target audience here, and that hurts it because it's trying to be one thing and being something else, and... I, I guess I'll give it two and three quarters. Not terrible, not great.
1: Well, I think it goes to a little slightly older crowd than the Twilight crowd. When Whenever the Twilight was going after those people, that whole crowd, that was teen, those were teenage kids, literally. Because that's why, that the, was a Teenage Red Books that came out with, because that came out right after Harry Potter. But this is for a slightly older crowd in my book. So, um... That's another. I'm gonna give it. I enjoy it so much. I like it. Chris, you're probably gonna roll your eyes when I give it this. I don't think before.
0: I'm already rolling my eyes at you. But honestly, it's not targeted to an older crowd. That's why the young people are in it all the time. You barely see the older people in it.
1: Well, I said what I said. So. I said what I said. So there. I'm sticking. I stick about what I said. So, anyways,
0: but that brings us to an end. And I've, again, this week I have not picked out what I want to watch for Tuesday. Most what? likely, yo. Hold
1: on, y'all. Y'all. He has not picked out what he has wanted to watch because
0: ahead of time. tomorrow is when everything changes over on the streaming stuff. And I don't know what all is going to be on there and what I want to watch. Now, I do know the next show will be Disney's Haunted Mansion, and you said you wanted to do Eddie Murphy's Haunted Mansion. Eddie Murphy's and uh, the Muppet Mansion. So that one will be the next week, but this coming Tuesday, like I said, everything's changing over tomorrow. I don't know what Scoobtober's going to have on there. I might just pick an animated Scooby movie. If if the well, Scooby Doo guess who is, guess who is on there, then I'll be definitely picking well, the share episode. Well,
1: tomorrow kicks off the first day of October too. We need to really keep in mind: are we going to do a whole month of horror movies, or horror genre well,
0: movies, or that's what? That's what we've been doing. Intrusion yeah. was the Halloween theme. The order was the Halloween. Oh, theme not really. Intrusion is a Halloween type film because it's a mystery thriller wannabe. I didn't say it was that a good one. I didn't say it was a good I'm one. I'm sorry, but it, if I'm looking up a horror
1: movie, that is not what I come to mind as a horror movie. That is not a horror movie. It doesn't
0: have to be horror to be Halloween. Does,
1: that was a, that was you, a suspense I, thriller
0: movie. Have you ever watched Alfred Hitchcock? <sighs> yes. Outside of Psycho and the Birds, how many real horror films did he do? I don't know. No. None that I can think of right offhand. They were suspense, intrigue, mystery, thriller. But he's still considered a major player at Halloween. Uh, probably. And if, if anybody would ever freaking stream it again, I would pick Elvira's Haunted Hills in a second. Because uh, that's a film that nobody El- ever sees. Isn't Elvira doing something this year again? Shudder did... The Elvira 40th anniversary special. There's a very scary, very special special. And it yeah. was like six hours. Because it was her hosting four movies. One was Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. And one was The House on Haunted Hill with Vincent Price. Which is phenomenal. I love Vincent Price. Cannot tell a lie. You know, i might yeah, need to find out an old Vincent Price film and, and pull that up.
1: And I love... That he got Michael, he that Michael Jackson got him to be in the Thriller film, our video.
0: Well, he he wasn't in the video. His voice. Well, was. he was his voice. And so, that was because he have did. Have you heard the, the ex,
1: Have you heard the extended version of Thriller?
0: Uh, probably.
1: Have you seen um, This Is It, Michael Jackson's This Is It? The his supposed to be tour is supposed to be.
0: No, but I've got the 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 anniversary release they did for the Thriller album and it has the extra vocals by Vincent Price
1: yeah they work it into the This Is It show Um, see if you can watch the This Is It sometime and see exactly how that tour is supposed to go down so um, that's actually really impressive they redo the video Thriller for that show so anyways
0: but I will pick something. Like I said, if it's if it's not Scooby-Doo, it'd be something. It might even be Alfred Hitchcock, because I love me some Hitchcock. And it would give me an excuse to watch some of his. There's also the classic universal horror films on Peacock. And I don't know if they're streaming free on Peacock, but I know they have a bunch of them. And I have several of those on my digital as well, so...
1: Now, I saw where Hulu is doing free horror movies this month. Uh, They put up a whole lineup of them for um, October, and the original Evil Dead is available. That's very rare. um,
0: There's tons (laughs) of stuff. I mean, we we could even go back and review Scream, which we kind of did earlier, but...
1: (sighs) I'm all for it. Let's do Scream.
0: But (laughs) I'll decide something, because... You know, there's, there's so many good choices out there, but I kind of want to see something different. So if, if I watch a Scooby-Doo animated movie, it's going to be something I haven't seen before. You know, last year I reviewed a Halloween well, Scooby-Doo movie because Elvira was in it, and I watched it, and you didn't. And well, let's um, not do Black Christmas. Well, so <laughs> we've already done that.
1: Yeah, what I'm saying is, like, we don't need to revisit Black Christmas. We,
0: we could wa- watch the other remake that we didn't watch. Which one? The one in between, the one that we watched. Because remember, there was the original that we both liked. There was the original Black
1: like, Christmas, and there was a 19
0: the tr- It was like 2019 was the remake that we watched. But then there was one... There was, a, like, there was one in the 90s, wasn't it? I can't remember. I've got the computer up, but I'll see real quick. I know there was another Black Christmas, but I can't remember what year it was. 2006 was another one, so Black Christmas 74, Black Christmas 19, and Black Christmas 06. And 06 has a 4.6 out of 10 on IMDb and a 15% on Rotten Tomatoes.
1: So, oh, wow. So we need to not waste our time on that one, I guess. So, let's see. Unless we just want to watch it and it
0: apart. Compared to 3.4 out of 10 and 39% for the 2019 version. Damn it, Bing, Bing keeps having this stuff come up. And the original version, IMDb ranked 7.2 out of 10, and Rotten Tomatoes gave us 71%. So, it seems that we just need to stay away from the other Black Christmas as well, because it scored the worst of all three. And we hated the remake that was out in twenty nine twenty. was it 2016, that's it, or 2019? I think it was 2016. Oh, God, it was
1: terrible. I think we spent like two minutes on that movie.
0: (laughs) No, it was 2019. I was like,
1: we both thought, oh, this one sucked. It it was terrible. I mean, it
0: really. And Carrie Elway's, I love you, but clearly you were just getting a paycheck on that one. Elway's, <laughs> that was a bad, bad movie. Bad movie. Bad movie. <laughs> but anyways, we'll we'll decide something, and we'll go ahead and wrap it up here. Do you have any final words?
1: Everybody, do your part. Get out there. Get the vaccine. People are still dying on an average of 2,000 people per day, non-vaccinated. Come on. It's, it's time to end this pandemic. I mean, come on now.
0: And I have not done the math. It's been a while. The last time I did it, it was like, according to what Bing gave us, 600 and some thousand dead in the United States Equaled 1 in about 487, I think, the last I checked. Today I looked, according to being in the United States, 705,000-plus people have passed. That's another 20,000 people from what I figured it out. So that number has gone down. One in 470, one in 480. We are... I get so tired of people saying, it's like a 3% death rate. You can look at it that way, or you can look at it as one in 480 citizens are gone. That's how many millions of people affected.
1: I'm looking at it this way. It's mostly Republicans that are dying. Mostly. But... And I guess... And you know, one of my friends pointed out to me and said, I wonder how many of them people are going to be voting in 2020. And that's dead. I mean, you know.
0: But it's just... It's the whole thing of... You're refusing to listen to legitimate scientists who are trying to take care of us. And... I saw a thing pointing out, I guess avoid it, like the is not going to be a, a phrase that we can use anymore. Because
1: no.
0: nobody did, did avoided the you, plague.
1: Did you say you could still get on Facebook, you just
0: can't do nothing? Yes. I can't post, okay. I can't comment, I can't like. I can use Messenger, I can see things, I just can't comment, post, or like. Okay. <laughs> so so you're ghosting right now so well, I not even that I can't can't even like something
1: yeah
0: which that I don't understand like if you're going to ban somebody either don't let them see anything or at least let them hit like or angry or whatever you know what are you doing that liking something is a bad thing <coughs> well Anyways, so Facebook's just stupid. <laughs> bad Facebook. Did you see bad, where? Bad. Did you
1: see where? Well, didn't I think we? I talked about this last week where uh, TikTok surpassed Facebook as for many more users
0: than Facebook. I still don't use TikTok. I don't care about it.
1: Dude, I'm on TikTok. I love TikTok.
0: I have no desire. But anyways, we'll wrap it up here, and we'll we'll figure out something to watch for Tuesday night when we record the show again. Until then, goodbye, everybody. Good night.